You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. When I was a kid, I used to read stories about people searching for the fountain of youth, right? Searching for immortality. And I think there was a TV show, I think it was called Highlander. Right? And I know some people are seeing this like, yes, it's Highlander, and just geeking out on that. But it was just like this immortal warrior, right? And just had this really interesting vibe and connotation to it. Like, this is what's possible, right? And even though humans have been seeking out this virtual fountain of youth for a long time, obviously, no one has quite figured it out yet. But here's the thing. What we know in our current science is that we can live a very long time. And this goes back to an episode that I did with Dr. Bruce Lipton, cell biologist and the author of one of my favorite books of all time, The Biology of Belief. And he was able to keep cells, human cells, alive 10, 20, 50 times longer than they should be by simply changing the culture that the cells were in, changing their environment and keeping their environment clean and up to par, up to, up to date. And so his experiment lasted until one of the lab assistants actually forgot to change out that medium, and that's when the cells died. So on a grander scale, obviously we're affecting our own cellular culture all the time with the things that we're doing in our own lifestyle. And we can allow ourselves to live a long, healthy, vibrant life, and, but there's a deeper process because it's not just maintaining the, the lifespan of a cell. Some cells need to hit the dust and to be recycled or eliminated from our bodies. This process called apoptosis, this programmed cell death. Some cells need it to happen to make room for new growth, new cells. And we're gonna talk about all that stuff today. And we've got probably the best person on the planet to talk about it, who's been in the research, who's been the, the, the guinea pig himself, who's been to all these different facilities and who's been incorporating this stuff into his life for many, many years. And it's the best-selling author, Dave Asprey, all right? And he's gonna be talking about his new book, Superhuman. And the science in here is nuts. So we're gonna talk about a myriad of powerful insights today and things you can really apply. At the beginning, we're gonna be talking about his story and some of these really crazy instances in his life and some of the obstacles he was up against that led him to jumping into this life and trying to figure out how can I live to be 180? That's his goal. And he's, I'm talking dead serious about it. Now, you might have seen Dave or heard Dave on some other stuff. You're like, oh, Dave is pretty super laid back. He was getting a little passionate today. All right. And I like that. I want to see Dave get riled up a little bit. So I, I was actually helping to kind of encourage that. And, and he did. And, you know, he's just speaking from his heart and sharing from his experience. And I think you're really going to enjoy this. Now, before he got here, I was actually just leaving my house. It was actually my son Braden's first day of school today, which is after Labor Day, like it used to be. I don't know if you remember, we used to start school after Labor Day, right? We have the full summer months, but now like the, the school year has been creeping its way more and more into our summer fun and into August, but that's neither here nor there, but it's getting him off to school when this was recorded uh, for his first day of school. And my oldest son, Jordan, was getting ready to head out. He's in college now, his first year of college. And he's also playing football as well. And one of the things that I saw him doing, he's making his shake, adding Organifi to his smoothie, the green juice formula. That's the thing that he really enjoys the most. And listen to this, this is really important. In talking in this conversation about longevity 
And a big part of this is taking care of the health of our brains. And so there was a study that was published in PLOS One that revealed that spirulina has the potential to, number one, improve neurogenesis. So this is the creation of new brain cells. All right, so that's number one. They also found that spirulina was found to reduce neuroinflammation. So this is inflammation in the brain, and this is an absolute epidemic right now. And this is something because our brains, they don't have pain receptors like the rest of our body because our brain is responsible, as you heard from Dr. Lisa Moscone, that the brain is responsible for directing and monitoring pain throughout our body. That's why it can't sense pain because it would go into hyper alert. And so we don't know when our brains are hurting. And with that said, inflammation is a huge issue related to dementia and Alzheimer's and an inability to, for the brain to eliminate waste products. Like I said, some cells need to stick around and have a long, healthy life, like our brain cells, but some cells do need to get eliminated and to make their way out of our brain's doors. And so helping to reduce that neuroinflammation is one of the most important things that we're going to be talking about in science in the upcoming years, for sure. You're going to hear more about this, but spirulina is one of those foods. It's one of the foods that's found, it's one of the hallmark ingredients in Organifi green juice. So we've got spirulina, we've got chlorella, which is excellent for chelation of heavy, heavy metals as well in the body. And I said heavy, heavy metals. <laughs> and that just made me think of Heavy D. Shout out to Heavy D. And the boys, I don't know if anybody knows about that, my dilly dilly D. Anyways, but just understand that this formula is powerful. Spirulina, chlorella, and ashwagandha is in there as well, which has been found to help to reduce stress, help to flip off that fight or flight sympathetic nervous system. And it's just, it's a great formula. It tastes good. This is why my kids use it. So pop over there, check them out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. And you get 20% off everything that they carry. All right, pop over there, check them out, Organifi.com forward slash model, protect your brain. All right, and on that note, let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled The Gold Standard of Health and Wellness Podcast by Empowered ED. This podcast sets the bar very high for all other health and wellness podcasts. Sean is simply amazing. He shares his own extensive knowledge and brings on the very best in the field. Each episode is information packed and his passion and enthusiasm are palpable. Sean truly wants everyone to live their best life and he speaks from his very generous heart. Thank you, Sean, for this outstanding podcast. Awesome. And thank you so much for popping over there and leaving me that review over on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate it so, so very much. And listen, if you've yet to leave a review, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Let everybody know what you think about the Model Health Show. I appreciate that so much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is New York Times bestselling author Dave Asprey. And he is known in this space as, quote, the father of biohacking. So when you hear that term, he's the guy who really put it into popular culture. You might also know about him through Bulletproof Coffee through his top-rated podcast, Bulletproof Radio, and also his epic biohacking events, which I spoke at the most recent one this past year, and it was absolutely incredible. Some of the coolest stuff that I've seen and some of the most amazing people there as well. And his new book, Superhuman, is delivering some of the most cutting-edge, game-changing insights. It's Superhuman, the bulletproof plan to age backward and maybe even live forever. And so we're going to jump into this conversation with the one and only Dave Asprey. You're from here, though, right? Oh, from yeah. From Seattle, maybe? And I'm from uh, New Mexico originally. New Mexico? Yeah, okay. and I lived in the Bay Area for a long time. Okay. Silicon Valley kind of guy. Yeah. 
And then about almost 10 years ago, I moved up to Canada. And it turns out there's an island like half as big as Washington State. And Vancouver's not on Vancouver is Island. Nice. It took me a couple of years to figure that one out. I had no idea. Shout out to everybody in Canada, <laughs> by the way. Man, you've got some adventures that you've been on. And I had no idea about the arthritis thing when you were just a teenager. Oh, man, what? that was bad. How? You know, when I was 14, I was playing soccer. And I played for something like 10 years when I was young. And it just it hurt all the time. And I went to the doctor finally. And he's like, you have arthritis. I'm like, I was sort of stunned. Yeah. I didn't even know what to say. And I went home. I'm like, this is a disease for old people. Right? And this is what you think when you're 14, right? right? And you think, I'm, I'm not old, and I, I don't want to be old. And, you know, it, it was it was kind of a weird psychology thing, to be honest. Mm. But I had and knee braces and all kinds of weird stuff, and it just hurt. It turns out there's a bunch of things that contribute to inflammation like that. But I also hit 300 pounds when I was about 21, 22. Wow. Uh, I'd had three knee surgeries by then. And all kinds of other just strange health problems, uh, nosebleeds, rashes, uh, high blood sugar, just continued weight gain, I'd lose weight, gain weight, uh, allergies, dark circles under my eyes and, and stuff. And it, it turns out I was living in a basement that had toxic mold in it. Hmm. And toxic mold just poisons you systemically at a cellular level. And one of the things you get autoimmunity, you get inflammation in your joints. You get like even stretch marks. I have way more stretch marks than I ever should ever, ever should have. Any human should have, and it all came about from the environment around me and the environment inside of me. It's it's all hackable. If I'd have known what I know now, it yeah. would have been like a one month fix. That's crazy. And what I kind of picked up from reading your story was, you know, you just kind of accepted it as normal because it was just a part of your everyday life for a while. It, it's kind of like being colorblind. People who are colorblind don't know they're colorblind. Right. And you'll ask them and say, "I'm not colorblind." And then you hold up the thing with the red and green and say, I don't see any difference. You're like, yeah, the rest of us see a difference. Now do you believe you're colorblind? You're like, oh. So it wasn't until I was somewhere in college and, and uh, a doctor made me some orthotics that worked. And I'm like, wow, you're supposed to be able to walk across campus without it hurting? Because it just it always right. hurt. It was just a standard thing. So I, I ended up growing up with, by the time I was 26, they said, oh, you've got less testosterone than your mom. Uh, you've got high risk of stroke and heart attack. That was when I was about 29. Uh, Pre-diabetes, somewhere in that range. And you look at all the things that, that take you out when you get old. I'm like, oh, and the, the cognitive function problems I was having as a result of living in places with uh, toxic mold and eating the wrong fats and yeah. just not having the biology that I wanted. I'm like, man, this is a preview of what most people get when they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And, Unbelievable. Uh, I don't want to go back to that. When you said testosterone lower than your mom, like, it, first of all, it stopped me in my tracks. And then you put that your mom's was tested. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was not, so it was like not a joke. I'm not joking. Hers was tested <laughs> before mine. Because even back then, you know, this was 20-something wow. years ago, I knew about anti-aging because I'm interested in, in the future and, like, what's going to happen. So I'd read a few things. And my parents were getting old. And I said, you know what, guys, I, I think you should go see this guy. And I was working on hacking my own health. I didn't recognize that I was as sick as I was or that I was really as old as I was biologically. Yeah. So I sent my parents in first and they saw this guy. And, and when I went to go see him, he's like, well, most of my patients don't look like you. They tend to be old. I'm like, well, just do this. And he got all my labs. The first doctor I ever met who used Excel, I said, here, I put all your labs on the spreadsheet so we can track them next time. And I'm like, mind blown. <laughs> now it's very commonplace, but I was fortunate to find one of the first guys on earth to do that. Yeah. And 
Yeah, he said, yeah, Dave, your testosterone is lower than your mom's. And I was just like, oh, that's my crazy. God, that's what's going on. It's one of many things going on. But right. uh, it was amazing what happened. So if I could go from being this obese uh, person with arthritis and all of these problems uh, to 10.1% body fat without a lot of exercise necessary with a brain that works like crazy well and younger at 46 than I was at 36, uh, I I feel like everyone else has an unfair advantage over me. Oh, man. And I'm still going to live to 180. Yeah, I love that too, man. <laughs> like just the, the, the claim... That you know that you're really just attaching yourself to, and you say it repeatedly out the throughout the book, and I'm just like, it's so it's really inspiring because most oh, people thanks. don't have the audacity to say something as strong as that. And the thing is also you're putting things in place to make it more probable, right? And so yeah. first, how did you get from there to being even interested in living this long life? How did how did you go from like I'm just trying to get well to thinking about longevity? In order to get well, you, you sort of have to acknowledge that you're sick. And I had a hard time with that because I'm not sick. Look at me. Like, I've made $6 million when I was 26. Like I, I lost when I was 28. That was a bit of a mistake. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have a story. You know, like my, my career is going pretty well. Like I feel like I'm doing the, I'm checking the boxes. Uh, and I didn't acknowledge myself. Like I've got the accelerator all the way to the floor all the time and I'm slowing down. And I, I can push harder, but there's no room for it to push any harder. And it actually, it got a little bit scary. And I said, all right, I got to really start getting on top of my health. It's going to be the most important thing. Every time I get a sinus infection, every time something happens, uh, like I can't, I can't show up at work the way I want to show up. And I was at the company that held Google's first servers. When it was two guys in a server. They came in and like, hey, can you, can you handle these for us? Like, yeah, we got that. And so this is during the dot-com times. The Facebook came in. Yeah, we got your servers. Like, it was kind of a big deal. Mm. And I just was like, I, I can't bring it some days. I don't know what's going on. So I, I got to manage my health. Uh, but uh, the whole idea, I need to, I need to recover. I, I didn't figure that out until much later uh, in the process. What I did do though, is I started seeing doctors and I write kind of the journey in right. superhuman, but I started seeing some different doctors saying, Hey, can you help me with this one thing that I don't like? And it wasn't that I'm sick. It was, it's not doing what I want. And what I realized everyone, our bodies know what we want. You woke up in the morning, your, your joints were stiff or you had a headache or you were just foggy or cranky or super hungry. Just like, like, look, I just wanted to show up. Like I wanted to be super, super nice today or I didn't want muffin top and I got muffin top and I don't know why and it pisses me off because it wasn't there yesterday. Right? This happens all the time. We all know what this is like. So this is the mindset that I had. But a friend said, hey, Dave, you should hang out at this, this anti-aging nonprofit group in the Bay Area. It was called Smart Life Forum. I'm like, that sounds dumb. That uh, was actually my response. Uh, how uh, arrogant can you be? And, and like, what, what kind of a name is that? And of course, the name Life Hacking didn't exist, right? Yeah. And we ended up changing the name of that group years later to uh, Silicon Valley Health Institute. But I can tell you that I went to my first meeting and I was 28, 29 or something. Everyone else in the room was 60, 70, 80, 90. <laughs> but uh, these are my people. Yeah. And afterwards, I remember the very first meeting, uh, this guy, Mike, he was about 85 years old. And we stayed out till 1130 chatting uh, just after the meeting. And he was like, I, I do this. I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are taking smart drugs. And Mike, it turns out a couple years later, um, he started dating a 36-year-old. Oh, my God. Right? And, and it was like he could keep up with her. They were actually in love. And it wasn't sort of a lecherous sort of thing. It was unusual, sure. But the, the deal is these are people whose brains work just fine. And people who are saying, I'm 
like, screw this aging thing. I got this. And these are original Silicon Valley hackers. That group was started by one of the guys who invented Ethernet. And so this has been out there since 1993. Yeah. And I just said, all right, I got to do this. And I became inspired. I said, if they can do this, and they started in their 60s, I'm starting in like my 20s and 30s. What am I going to be able to do? And then I got to know the experts in the field. And every month we bring like top people in. That's how I learned even how to do my podcast. Uh, you interview a whole bunch of people for 10 years once a month on stage about anti-aging stuff. You've learned to do the skills that you have. Like interviewing people is a skill and you've mastered the skill. Well, I mastered it on stage with people in a room outside Stanford University. Uh, and so after being inspired by these people, I said, look, uh, I know that if I can come back from being old when I was young, <laughs> maybe I can stay younger for longer. Mm. And then the 180 number man, it pisses some people off. But there's a few quotes that, that didn't even make it into the book. One of them is, before we invented the car, the, the top minds at the time said, you know what? If you go faster than 16 miles an hour, it'll pull the oxygen out of the car and you'll be unable to breathe. They absolutely believe this. Okay, and of course, the first car comes along and they're like, uh, pretty sure that didn't happen. It might have been 26 miles an hour, by the way. I could be wrong on the number. 16 seems a little low. But anyway, what they figured out is that wasn't true. And the same thing, yeah, I'm going to fly. Like, no, you're not going to fly. Uh, and But my favorite quote of all is uh, from the head general in, in the U.S. Army. And he's talking to Congress in 1940-something. And he says, I speak as an expert on munitions and explosives. That atomic bomb thing will never go off. So look, I'm almost 180, yeah. right? And maybe I'll die trying, right? But if it's not me, it's someone that I know. Like right. it, it, it might be you. It's someone listening to the show right now. And here's the deal. 120 is in the bag because we've already seen it, yep. right? And these are people who they drink, they smoke, they do whatever. It was accidental. And they probably had good genes, yeah. right? There's also a good number of people who are 120 who are actually just taking advantage of their parents' uh, insurance because they're not really 120. They're just really old. So it turns out a substantial number of people who claim to be really old aren't as old as they say they are. But we know we can do it. Yeah, it's been done. Right. So now let's see. Given that I've interviewed for Superhuman and for my show just dozens and dozens of the people cracking the code of aging, the top people on earth, Nobel Prize winners. And you know what? We know more than we ever have. Uh, you and me can right now pick up our phone and go to Google and access more knowledge, more research, more information than a king or a president 30 years ago. I mean, it's unfathomable. Do you, know, do you remember Microfish? A little bit, yeah. Okay. So I'm dating myself here. I'm, I'm 46. I'm not 96, right? Uh, when I was starting college... I had one of the first search engine accounts, but no one else in my class knew what the internet was. Was this like 96? It was like 90, 94. 94. 94, yeah. 95. So to go do research for a paper, you go to the library and you get these little transparent plastic card things. Yeah, and yeah. they're like photocopied into in, super small, almost like a microscope. And you put on these little readers and you sit there and turn a little knob yeah. to read things. And it was so crazy. And then what I do is I'd go home and I would use this website called AltaVista, one of the first search engines. And I, would, I was making these papers. And my professor's like, oh, my God, this is the best research ever. Like, I love this paper. And I'm sort of laughing going, like, it's because I can search better than you. Man. And I look at where we are now. I couldn't write Superhuman. It would have taken me 10 years to write this book. 
10 years ago. Yeah. But now At the information, yeah, the information's all there. Yeah. So the speed of progress is happening. And given that, given that I know the people doing the work who've been at it for decades, I'll be damned if we can't do 50% better over the next 100 years of my life. Like, look at where we were 100 years ago. We were fighting wars with horses in 1919. Okay, it's a whole different world. If, if we don't do 180, I'm stupid. Mm. And if a truck hits me tomorrow, I'm stupid too. Just do that. <laughs> man, this is so awesome, man. Um, you know, if you're thinking about, even in the book, you, you detail some of the stories of just historically, we've been chasing immortality, yeah. you know, um, our ancestors were kind of looking for this virtual fountain of youth and they found little pieces here and there. Yeah. And it's, it's again, like where we're at now with technology, with our access to information, it is really inspiring. And one of those things that I'm really, I admire about you was you chased after it early. You know, because you found this information out. Dude, being old sucks if you do it the wrong way. And I just did it the wrong way when I was young. Yeah. Like, I chased after it because it it was a painful, crappy thing to wake up every day. It'd be like, my body hurts and I can't think. Like, to be really clear, I was yeah. a little selfish about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you found yourself in Nepal yeah. and knees hurting. You oh, yeah. were traversing. I think you were first, you were coming down. Yep. Altitude first. From the Annapurna circuit uh, yeah. uh, in one day to make a flight. Um, and when was this? How old were you around let's this? Let's see. Time? This would have been 2004. Okay. So whatever, 30-ish, 32 maybe. Uh, and, uh, and so I descended 7,500 vertical feet in one day. And that's more than a mile. And it's basically coming on passes. I was using trekking poles. But by the end of the day, I was like, my knees really hurt. And the next day I woke up, I couldn't walk across the street to get breakfast. With the poles. With the poles. I mean, I was truly disabled. And, and I was like, man, I, I got one or two days to resupply. And then I'm getting on a bus for five days to go from Kathmandu to Lhasa. And then I'm going to somehow make my way across to the other side of Tibet. And I'm going to walk around this mountain. It's the holiest mountain in the world. Uh, and I didn't have it planned very well. It was sort of just let things happen the way they're going to. Uh, but I was thinking, I don't think I could walk 100 yards. Uh, so I said, let's see how fast I could recover while I'm at super high altitude driving over passes in the Himalayas. <laughs> it was a challenge. So I think you already had some education about collagen. And so you oh, yeah. were looking for a little dose. Well, I, I knew that I, uh, I knew about collagen and I knew that you really can't buy collagen. Uh, and so I said, all right, what can I do? I went to this little restaurant. I say a little restaurant. There's a town. It's got four buildings, and you all sleep in this big shared room. The beds are like five feet long. I'm six four, so I'm hanging off the end of the bed. And there's one restaurant, and I, I go in there, and the menu's in Chinese. And so I asked the Chinese guy who's on the bus with me, and he, he said, "Read the menu." And he said, "Pig's ears." And I'm like, "Oh, and that's the only thing on here that's full of collagen." I was hoping there'd be like pig's feet, which are equally gross, actually. But you need something <laughs> that's all gristly and nasty, uh, and so I, I've never eaten pig's ears. And they come, they're ice cold. It just steamed oh, pig's ears, just a huge ball. It had to be like a dozen or so pig's ears. I'm like, this is nasty. Like chicken's feet would have been better. So I, I like, what I do? I ordered soup and I would like dip the thing in the soup. Uh, and to then try I, to warm it up a yeah, little. Yeah, and then I, arr, <laughs> arr, just rubbery nastiness. Uh, but I, I was like, I need building blocks. I just, my body's not healing because I've got nothing to make it out of. And I, I was traveling with handfuls of supplements. I just, these weren't the collagen sort of yeah. things. The next day I could walk again. I mean, it was transformative and I started healing and I ended up getting to the point where I was fully healed and I could walk 26 miles at up to 18,000 feet elevation around the mountain 10 days later. Incredible. But, but 
it was that thing. I, I came back. At, at, on that mountain is when I had yak butter tea that turned my brain back on, and it was collagen that turned my knees back on. Mm, and I came back and said, experience. I, I got to do this. And it's kind of funny. Bulletproof put collagen on the map. Like the reason it's a supplement that's cool and for high performers instead of you know your, mom, your, your mom's Jello, which was the only place you'd ever get collagen before, it's because of that trip. Wow. Awesome, man. So awesome. So, and just shout out for, first of all, you couldn't even walk with the walking sticks. Shout out to people who just walk down the street with walking sticks. Oh, yeah, I love I, that. I, I'm just like, I thought it was kind of weird, you know, like it's L.A., 90 degrees, and they're just out there trekking down the sidewalk, but it's a thing. It's have, a thing. Have you ever used them? I have not, no. All right, th- there's an actual skill. I used to do a lot of backpacking before I had kids. When you have kids, you stop doing like yoga and backpacking and stuff like that because they, they tend to take a lot of time. So you might do a little bit, but not like you did. So you're going to do long distance like John Muir Trail or something. Uh, almost everyone uses them now. And when you learn to walk like a four-legged creature, it changes your brain. You, you cross pattern, but you can carry so much more and you get an upper body workout. Mm-hmm. So you see all these hikers, if they've hiked you know, 500 miles, what they have is these super massive legs and super skinny arms. But if you use trekking poles, you actually maintain the muscle mass and you get all that lymphatic movement. Mm-hmm. So I'd say if you're going to walk 10 miles and you learn how to use the poles, you feel better when you're done. Mm-hmm. And, and also, let's look at knee replacement and hip replacement surgery. It's happening all over the place. Maybe not wearing them out is a good idea. So I think spreading the load, especially if you've got a backpack on, there's a really good argument for trekking poles. Awesome. So one of the things that jumped into my mind when you were kind of laying out this really strong argument of how long we can live and how long a lot more people are going to live, I immediately thought about, what, what about overpopulation? It's funny. Um, I, a lot of people don't know my first book was about fertility. I spent five years writing it. My wife was infertile. And we restored her fertility using food and vitamins and testing and things without IVF or anything like that. We had one kid at 39, one at 42. And she's a, a Carolyn's good trained physician. So I know a thing or two about fertility. And I'll just tell you straight up, we don't have a population problem. We have one right now. <laughs> we won't have one in 50 years from now because the fertility rate is declining because our health is going down so fast as a species. And that sounds really scary, but the solution to that problem is live a long time and wait because people literally who want to reproduce can't reproduce. Uh, And on top of that, if you look at the number of people who are choosing to have kids in every developed nation right now, even when they can have kids, it's going down dramatically. Mm -hmm. And it's happened in Japan. It's happened in China. It's certainly happening in the U.S. So we have all these aging populations. And one dark picture of the future is you have a bunch of aging, infirm populations with no young people to take care of them. That kind of sounds crappy. Another possible future is that you have these aging populations of people who are now the village elders and have lots of time, energy, and desire to give back to their communities and to help the people who don't know all the stuff that you learn by taking arrows in your back for eight decades. (laughs) The things you might have learned about how to have a good marriage because you only failed at them three or four times over the course of your life and now you're probably kind of a pro and you can tell the 25-year-old getting married for the first time what not to do. (laughs) This is called wisdom. And when we have an older population whose brains work and bodies work the way they're supposed to, we will have an epidemic of wisdom. And I'm really looking forward to that. The other thing is if you really realize at your core, you know what? I might be around 100 years from now. I might be around 200 years from now. Maybe I shouldn't poop in my own sandbox. 
right? You're going to have to take care of the world you live in better. You're going to have to take a long-term view because guess what? You're a long-term animal now, yeah. right? So you stop using single use when you can, or you recycle when you do, and you make better decisions, right? And I believe that if we think, look, life is short, mean, brutal, then you spend 20 years hooked up to tubes and monitors while the medical industrial system drains your bank account, if that's your picture of the world, you're going to act like an asshole, right? And if your picture of the world is that I'm going to be old and wise and fully able to move under my own power and I'm going to know so much cool stuff and I'm going to be able to help so many people and it's going to be awesome and I'm going to meet my great-grandkids and actually be friends with them, you're going to behave differently. And it's the change in behavior that matters. And to change your behavior, you have to change how you see the future. Wow. Facts. Absolutely. Well, I want to get into science now. All right. And you really, again, lay out a really great case that the foundation for longevity begins with our mitochondria. Yeah. It, it turns out in superhuman, I go really deep, but I, I wrote a whole book about mitochondria that it hit the New York Times science bestseller list, which is for me as an author, I didn't think I'd ever do that. It was sandwiched between uh, Homo Deus and Sapiens. So it was a little headstrong wow. in there. I was like, okay, that's the coolest thing ever. And that was my big focus on mitochondria in the brain. So in superhuman, it's not just mitochondria. They're certainly a part of it. Mitochondria, for people who haven't heard of that, they're these power plants in the cells. But really, that's a simplification. What they're actually doing is they're sensing the environment around you and deciding what to do on a second-by-second -second basis. And sometimes they make power, but other times they make hormones. Other times they make chemicals that you need. And they're kind of the puppet masters inside your body. But in, they're inside your cells. They're ancient bacteria that became a part of us. And the other things inside the cells are equally important. So aging starts at the cell. And you have these things called lysosomes inside cells. And all these different things that you might remember the names of because you colored them in seventh grade biology. And no one ever told you why they mattered. Right. And in fact, they generally didn't matter back then because we didn't understand. Yeah. Well, now we know the four things that are going to kill you. And we know pretty much seven of the things that are likely to make you age. And the trick here that's revolutionary in, in the idea behind superhuman is that you can't say, oh, you know what? My car is going to last forever. I'm just going to make sure I change the tires all the time because you might have to do some other stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? You have to change all of the set, the maintenance things that you're doing. So you change the oil, you do your timing belts when it's time, you change the tires and you do the things you do to continuously maintain and repair the system. Our bodies are the same way and we just know more than we ever did. That makes it easier to do. It also means that if you know that your tires are going to wear out, maybe you ought to not drive over all the potholes when you have a chance, right? So we can do both. And a lot of the arguments in superhuman are, here's the things you're doing that increase the speed of your aging that don't give you any benefit, right? So maybe we could just stop doing those because if you're gonna go eat something that tasted good and one thing that tastes good messes up your cells and the other one doesn't, better choice. I describe aging as death by a thousand cuts. It's not just one thing. So just take fewer cuts, make them less deep. You're still going to take hits. That's the nature of life right. because sometimes it's fun, right? <laughs> right? There's nothing wrong with having fun. I'm not talking about you know, living in a cave or a bubble. I'm just saying when you can make a choice that both choices are good, both, both of them are pleasurable, do the one that gives you less damage and then consciously repair the damage. Right. So one of the big tenets is, which is so obvious, is for longevity, don't die. Right. So you yeah, talk about that one don't works die. pretty well. <laughs> and specifically, you outline four killers. Yeah. Right. There's the four main killers, um, the, the top things right now that are taking us out. 
And you also relate with each of these four things, which was really beautiful to see how inflammation is tied into each of these four killers. So let's talk about the four killers and how inflammation relates to each one. It it seems kind of ironic. Like, okay, you want to live forever, don't die. Done. That was the whole book. But then you say, all right, let's assume that you and me are average. And I got to tell you, we're not average. <laughs> like we're, we're here in LA. Uh, we're, we're doing a podcast. We can choose our food more so than, than the average human being. And all of the numbers we look at, uh, they're usually just all over the place. So the numbers I'm going to talk about are for developed nations. Yeah. But this includes the people who you know live on Pop-Tarts and ramen and margarine. Uh, so we're not average. Our former day. There you go. Now, four things that are going to kill almost everyone listening to this, at least 80% of them, one or the other. Uh, One of them is cancer. And the rate of cancer is up dramatically. Something like 40% of people get it in their lifetime. The good news is that you die half as often from cancer as we used to. We actually can cure cancer better than we could, although we're still far from curing it. And a lot of times the cure is pretty brutal, to be honest. Uh, but our survival rates are up because our early detection rates are better. But maybe not getting cancer is the right strategy here. That's the one that I'm pursuing. And also detecting early if you get it because it's relatively easy to get rid of cancer. In fact, you and me, we have cancer right now, unquestionably. There are precancerous cells circulating in our bodies, and our natural killer cells are going through and knocking those things out. Like, it's just how the body works. Uh, so there's nothing to worry about there. Uh, but if you were to do a few things in your lifestyle or maybe some of the more extreme things in here uh, around cancer, you're saying, all right, I just reduced my, my chances. The next one that's likely to take you out is cardiovascular disease. In fact, it may be more likely than cancer in terms of death. And cardiovascular disease is stroke and heart attack, and it's rampant. It turns out we know more about that than ever before. And one of the things I call out here is that we like to say, oh, you ate some cholesterol, you're bad, there was an egg yolk. Look, two studies now have looked at the very specific type of fat that's building up in your arteries. Newsflash, they didn't come from your food, they came from the bacteria in your gut. They are fats made by bacteria. All of this nonsense about, oh, you can't eat fat, animal products cause cardiovascular disease, BS. Now, eating an animal that ate antibiotics and corn and soy that then modified your gut bacteria to make them turn against you so that they made the things that, okay, now we're talking. So in terms of vegan nonsense, don't eat industrial animals fed antibiotics ever. They will shorten your life and it's stupid and it's bad for the animals, it's bad for the planet, and it's evil. Uh, I don't do that. Uh, I actually live on a farm and I raise my own animals. But you can't do that. Go to the farmer's market or at least get grass-fed or wild-caught beef And if you go to a restaurant and they only have industrial meat, it's real easy. Order the vegetarian meal, but skip the tofu. That stuff is gross. All right. That was my rant about cardiovascular disease. (laughs) Butter is not bad for you. All right. Next up, we have type 2 diabetes, rampant. And type 2 diabetes is really evil because it increases your risk of dying from cancer and heart disease dramatically. And most people start out with that, and then they get one of the other ones. Um, By the way, the other killer is Alzheimer's disease, about 10% of people. And diabetes increases your risk dramatically of all of those. So let's focus on diabetes. What is diabetes really? It's your body's inability to turn food and air into energy, into electrons, the same electrons that power your iPhone power you. What part of the cell does that? Might it be the mitochondria? Yes. So then how do we hack the mitochondria? Well, fortunately, that's an area of pretty strong expertise for me. It turns out every cell in your body and subcellular components like mitochondria, they have membranes. Mm. 
Now, you and me would think of a membrane as being, oh, like a, a baggie, like a, a plastic layer. That's not really what they are. I think, okay, maybe it's more like a condom. <laughs> a little bit stretchy. You know, maybe some things can get through there. Um, they're not like that either. What they are is more like when you have a sheen of oil on the top of water. It's a thin layer of mm. tiny droplets of fat uh, that repel water on both sides. So they kind of string together. Well, what fat might be important? And a big part of, of at least the diabetes angle in Superhuman, and Superhuman, by the way, is not a diet book. I mean, you've, you've read it. it. There's some stuff about food, but this is about living to 180 and all the stuff you do. But from a nutritional perspective, if you were to eat the types of fat that your body needs to make healthy membranes, one of the biggest things that helps with highly functioning mitochondria, which then prevents diabetes, is have membranes that allow sugar and fat in and have all the components needed to make energy inside the cell. And that means 45% of the fat in your cell membranes is saturated fat. And this is why you can laugh when people say don't eat saturated fat. However, it's very interesting to note that you could say, oh, this is permission to eat a high-fat diet, except it's not because different fats do different things. And who would have thought? And you could say, well, margarine and corn oil, those are probably different than coconut oil. There must be some differences. It turns out the type of fat really matters. So you're not going to never eat any, quote, bad fats, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you have a choice between smoking a cigarette and eating a plate of French fries, smoke the cigarette. And the data is very clear on that. Nicotine actually has some anti-aging effects. <laughs> Smoking is terrible for you, though. You shouldn't do it. But your inflammation is going to last for about eight hours. The inflammation from the French fries is good for 24 hours. And that nasty fat is going to get taken up in your cell membranes. And when it gets taken up, it's going to make free radicals. So seriously, I don't care if it's calamari or Brussels sprouts. If it's deep fried, especially at a restaurant where they've been using that oil for God knows how long, just don't do it. You don't eat that anymore. It's not food. And just like you shouldn't smoke if you want to live a long time. So you got to pay attention to that. And the other thing is people say, oh, then you should eat a high-protein diet. Look, what kind of protein? You know my favorite plant-based protein? It's uh, ricin, the nerve gas that they use in the Subway Tokyo attack. It comes from beans. Okay, so there you go, plant-based people. Plant-based protein will kill you. Oh, well, okay, then what about uh, animal-based protein? Oh, spider venom. That stuff is kind of probably bad to eat too. Uh, so animal-based protein will kill you, or dare I say, different proteins from different sources do different things, mm. and you cannot be simplistic like a child and say, I'm going to eat protein from animals or plants because it doesn't matter unless you know what protein it is and what it does. The same is true for fat and the same is true for carbs. Like I just made a new prebiotic that is 100% carbs that doesn't raise your blood sugar at all, feeds your gut bacteria, but it's a carb. It's a little different from corn syrup, right? How do we sort this out? You, we have to stop thinking about those simplistic categories because they're stupid. And uh, that's in superhuman. I'm like, look, these are the fats to prioritize. These are the ones to deprioritize. And here's why. Yeah. You know, and I know you've probably dealt with this too, but, you know, in dealing with the publisher, um, a lot of the powers that be really don't think people can get this stuff. You know, we really want to simplify things. Yeah. And they've said the words, you know, dumb it down. I don't agree at all. I think that people yeah. are smart enough and I think that we are well-equipped to understand the complexity. This well, is bigger than that. There's a, a book by uh, my friend uh, Ryan Holiday, who's a great author. I don't know if you've ever had him on. Uh, and it's called Perennial Seller. And, and it's a book about the mindset that goes into writing a great book. And, and you understand it because you don't want to dumb it down. And, and you have a moral obligation to explain it in a way that's consumable. But you can disrespect people by just, oh, I'm going to make it so dumb. Just do this. But 
look, the people who listen to your show, uh, the people who read Superhuman, people who read your writing, they want to know that there's a reason to do what they do, and they want to know what the reason is. So I, I look at it, I believe the same way you do. Say, look, here's what to do. And if that's all you want, go to the next chapter. But <laughs> if you want to know why and how, and you want to learn how to think so you can take care of yourself forever, it's in there. And, and that's really hard to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the discussion on diabetes, you mentioned glucosamine yeah. in there as well. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Glucosamine or glucosamine, and to be honest, I do not know how to say that. And I just read my whole audio book in the same studio we're recording in right now. <laughs> right. That's and, so cool. Dude. <laughs> and I said it both ways in the audio book, and they didn't catch me. So uh, you have a little salmon, person listening. As long as you're not saying salmon. Yeah, okay, there you know, go. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Glucosamine, glucosamine. God, someone, someone's gonna put it in your show and tell me exactly what it is. But uh, when I was maybe fourteen, I read in some men's health magazine or something that you should try this. So I bought it, and man, my knees feel way better. Hmm. And I didn't know why, other than it said it was supposed to work. And I tried a different brand; it didn't work as well. And I figured out the form that worked, and it was just a titration ex- exercise. If I take it, can I play soccer or not? And it turns out glucosamine now we know has a bunch of anti-aging powers because it changes the way mitochondria use sugar. So it was probably helping with uh, my blood sugar. And it's an anti-aging substance that is widely talked about that almost no one knows. Think, oh, it's just for joints. No, it's for inflammation. So I talk about the pathways in there. It's dirt cheap. So it's a really good idea to be taking glucosamine on a regular basis if you want to live a long time and not have joint replacement surgery 25 years from now. And there you have it. So we talked about um, the four killers. Then you shift gears and you talk about seven pillars of aging. So these are the seven things that are really little known, in my in my opinion, yeah. that are the biggest catalysts that are moving us towards aging. So we talked about don't die. Yep. Now we're looking at the things that accelerate our aging. And I want to go through just a couple of these. All right. Uh, the first one was mitochondrial mutations. Yep. Let's talk about that. So mitochondria, you have anywhere between 200 to 15,000 mitochondria inside each cell in your body except your red blood cells. They're free of mitochondria. And the cells that have the most energy requirement have the most of these things, the ones that, that are most important. So your brain cells and heart cells are most studded with mitochondria. And they're smart little things. And you get all their DNA from your mom, at least if you're like most people. There's a few other weird corner cases where other stuff happens. But essentially, these are passed down from nine women in somewhere 11, 12,000 years ago. All of us are related to one of nine great, 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 great grandmothers. And problem is that these mitochondria mutate relatively easily over the course of your life. And this doesn't mean you won't hand on the right genes to your offspring. But as they mutate, you don't make energy as well. And what happens every time when your mitochondria can't turn a molecule of food and a molecule of oxygen into an electron, it makes inflammation. Inflammation leads to diabetes and all the four killers. Uh, So these mutations build up and we don't have repair systems. So what do you do? There's practices that don't cost anything that are in superhuman that cause mitochondrial biogenesis. There's relatively affordable, like $50, $60 affordable compounds that grow new mitochondria. There's certain types of exercise. There's types of sleep. So what you want to do is put your body through these brief periods of intense stress so the body looks around and goes, oh, that mitochondria can't really make heat right now or it can't make energy right now. I guess I should kill it. Because your body will prune the weak mutated mitochondria and kick their asses out of there and grow fresh young ones if you give it the right instructions. 
guess what? We have not been taught to give it the right instructions. Mother Nature was very elegant in our design because, you know, 150 years ago, there was probably some angry buffalo chasing you every now and then or a tiger trying to eat you. And there was times you didn't have any food. And there were times you were a little cold. And the body would go, oh, I guess I should take care of this. Well, we don't get any of that anymore. And it turns out those are important signals. They're just unpleasant. So how do we get those signals to happen in the minimum possible amount of time with the least inconvenience and the least cost? I'm down for that. And that's what's in superhuman. One of the things that's so fascinating about that is that today we know that it's not just our DNA that we need to be concerned about. We've got trillions of bacteria that live with us, that live within us, on our skin and in our bodies. And they have their own genes. Our mitochondria has its own DNA that can get damaged. And so we need to look out for the well-being of not just our DNA, but our mitochondrial DNA can get damaged even easier, which is just super fascinating to me. And this is one of the things that you really highlight and talk about in the book. When you really think about it, we have this collection of bacteria and it talks to our bacteria and there's all kinds of cross reactions. Um, Wired Magazine had an article a few years ago that had the best uh, headline, I think, of any article I've ever seen. And it said something like, you are surrounded by a cloud of of fart bacteria. <laughs> Great, guys. Like, I, I'm horrified. Or skin and fart bacteria. But what, they, what the point of the article was is that with genetic sequencing, when we leave this room two hours from now, they could come in with the forensics team, measure the microbiome in the air, and determine that we were in this room if they knew our microbiome. Okay, so it's not just our bodies. There's no sovereign entity. There's no boundary to where you are. But what that means is you're a hollow tube, right? Because food comes in, it replaces cells in your body, and then you shed your skin and you poop out the other stuff. So you and me, our bodies don't even exist. We're just like a whirlpool in a stream. There's matter coming in. There's matter coming out. That's super powerful because that means you can modify the matter coming in. And what can you do to make the whirlpool that is you more coherent to stick around for longer? That's anti-aging. So the next one of these pillars, and I'm so grateful that you talked about this one, was zombie cells. Zombie cells. Can you talk about what that is? As you age, your body has cells that stop doing their job, but they don't get out of the way. They call them senescent cells is the scientific term. So now we've got these cells that are sitting there. They make free radicals. They take up space, but they don't do their job. So the question now is, all right, if I want to be young when I'm old, how do I make sure I don't have very many zombie cells floating around? When you're young, you don't have many. As you age, they go up predictably. So it turns out that there are some of the things that are similar to creating new mitochondria, things you can do that help. Uh, fasting helps. There's enzymes that you can take that help. And there's even some new drugs that are radically shown to improve cell senescence. And what that means is that as you age, you're probably going to have to just figure this out. And the techniques, there's a list of bullet points in here of things you can do now. Some of them are billionaire techniques. And I, I mean, I've done crazy stem cell things, uh, probably more stem cells than one sitting than any human ever as part of the research for this. But hey, I'm going to live to 180. Someone had to do it. And everything in here, there's a free version that gives you the benefits uh, most we can get. And then there's the, this is what crazy people are doing. I haven't done it yet, but I'm, I'm signed up or this is something I did do. But just like cell phones, if we go back... 20, 30 years, the only person with a cell phone was the investment banker and their, the whole trunk of their car was the phone and this giant thing up to their head and it's $25 a minute and everyone would swear at them, look at that, who does he think he is with his cell phone? And now they're a dollar a month in Africa, okay? Anti-aging technologies are the same as cell phones. They are coming. They are Some of them are expensive now. Some of them are cheap now. You just don't know about them. But the expensive ones, they'll drop in price just like computer chips. 
and the demand is that strong. And it's our job as, as podcasters, as health influencers, just tell people, hey, this stuff is real. And once the demand is there, I promise you as an entrepreneur that we will make it for you at a price you can afford because that's what entrepreneurs do. All right, so we know that we have these zombie cells, potential zombie cells. And this goes back to this conversation about apoptosis, this program cell death. So what I'm hearing is that we don't need to be as concerned about overpopulation out there as overpopulation in our bodies. It's a good point. If you have overpopulation of zombie cells, you have an issue. Yeah. But one of the other pillars of aging is actually cell loss. And as you age, you run out of stem cells. And that means you get tissue exhaustion, something called sarcopenia or loss of muscle mass. There's a reason when you have the stereotypical picture of an older person, there's thin skin, they're frail, they don't have muscle mass. Well, that is all tissue loss. So what would happen if you could make your stem cells stay strong? What if you could replace your stem cells? Would you reduce sarcopenia? What if you just did things that didn't let your cells die as much as they did before? Mm -hmm. And what if you caused programmed cell death for the cells that needed to die, like cancer cells and had a healthy immune system? So those are the things that I write about in Superhuman. And the deal is this is like multiple college courses in weird biology that no one is actually going to study. So it comes down to at the end of the chapter, there's a set of bullet points and you, I'll walk you through the whys and the hows, but you do a few of these things, don't even do all of them, just do some of them. And all of a sudden the number of years that you get goes up, maybe, we think, hopefully, and certainly what's going to happen is you're not going to feel like garbage when you're old. And that's really important. So yeah. you just don't lose when you do this. Yeah. So we've got cell loss. We've got mitochondrial uh, mutations, mutations, right? zombie cells. So with the zombie cell thing, so you're, what you're really saying is there is potent, uh, we could have a zombie apocalypse. Potentially. Is that what <laughs> you're fact, saying? Part of aging is a zombie apocalypse. Okay. It's, it's you heard it here first. <laughs> Dave said it. It's the real thing. Yeah. So zombie apocalypse actually takes place. Three foods you have to eat for a year. What are they? Three, three foods only for a year? Uh, I would say you really are not going to be very happy unless you have some avocados. Mm. Right. Pretty stereotypical answer. There you though. go. But bottom line, it's got fat and carbs in it. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm going to tell you straight up grass-fed ribeye. It's going to be really important. You've got to get those fat-soluble nutrients in the meat, and you're going to want some of that protein. The great thing, though, and we didn't talk about this much, most people listening right now are eating too much protein. You don't need that much protein, but you need very high-quality protein. So who cares if the ethically raised grass-fed animal is twice as expensive as the industrial mistreated animal? You eat half as much of it. And you replace those protein calories with fat calories from clean fats and with more vegetables. And that works out really, really well for the planet, for the soil, which requires animal poop to be fertile, uh, and things like that. That's why a grass-fed steak is on there, and specifically ribeye, because it's the fattiest cut. Yeah. <laughs> and the third thing is a real tough one. I'm going to pick uh, sun-dried black olives hmm. uh, because they taste Interesting. good. Okay. Uh, no. uh, it, it's because you actually need some monounsaturated fat for your cell membranes. I'm going to get my saturated fat from the steak. I'm going to get my monounsaturated fat from the avocado. I'll get a little bit of undamaged, because you eat avocados raw, omega-6s, which turns out your cells need some of that, but not yeah. very much. And then I'm going to fill the rest in with the polyphenols from the olives. Yeah. And polyphenols are these colored compounds from plants that control a lot of what your gut bacteria do and what your mitochondria do. They're even necessary for making melanin, the pigment in your skin. Mm -hmm. And so I would, there you go. I'm going to have uh, 
basically guacamole, sun-dried olives on grass-fed steak, and I'm going to feel great. There you go. And no zombies eating you. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. You know, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that, that we do need some omega-6s because they've really been drug through the mud for good reason, but yeah. the quality, you know, getting them from a, a good source, but they're still there as quote, essential fatty acids. So we need them from our diet. They're essential because you can't make them. And what I found was fascinating new research that didn't even exist when I wrote the Bulletproof Diet. And I, I was right, fortunately, in the Bulletproof Diet, just from talking with clinicians and just saying what works, but we didn't actually measure it. And researchers went through and they looked at what the fat ratios of cell membranes are for different types of cells in the body. And then they measured what happens when you change the type of fat you eat. Mm. And it turns out that your adipose tissue, the fat in your body, it swings with, the, with what you eat very dramatically. So if you eat a lot of omega-6 fats, you will store way more omega-6 fat in your fat tissue and it'll create inflammation there. So mm. if you do that though, your brain won't change nearly as much as your fat tissues do. So you can control inflammation by controlling the ratio of the fats you eat. And since 45% of your brain cells are saturated fats, just like in the Bulletproof Diet, I did say 50% of your fat calories should be saturated. I was off by 5%, man, sorry. <laughs> but there's pretty good evidence for it. In yeah. fact, the body will manufacture palmitic acid. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really fascinating that, uh, that the cells in your brain, the cells in your heart, the cells in your muscles, they do different things when you change the type of fat you eat. They all require omega-6, but it's a relatively small amount, and it's got to be undamaged omega-6. Yeah. If it's been extracted from corn, safflower, canola, soy... They use hexane and other solvents. They use heat. And omega-6 oils, even from flax, they're unstable in light, sunlight, light from the incandescents or LEDs in your house, heat, and oxygen break these things down. So you pretty much want to eat them when they're fresh inside a nut that hasn't been roasted, when they're in an avocado, when they're in olive oil that has antioxidants that protect them and hasn't been deep fried or heated in a pan. It's that important. Yeah, perfect. We've got one more of these pillars of aging I want to get to. We're going to do that right after this quick break. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Today, we're in the midst of a new revolution with our understanding of food. We used to just be focused on this macronutrient paradigm, proteins, fats, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates and proteins got a pretty good name, but fats were drugged through the mud. Why is that? Because it's called fat. All right. The name implies something different than the other two. Because when we hear the word fat, we think about fat on our bodies. Fat in food and fat in our bodies are two totally different things. And it's like thinking, if I eat blueberries, I'm going to turn blue. When you think that eating fat is going to turn you fat. It just doesn't work like that. And any of those three macronutrients can actually put fat on your body if you eat too much or the wrong types. Healthy fats, which I'm proposing that we start to call lipids or even energy, are incredibly important for every single function in your body. Your cells, every single cell in your body, we have upwards of 100 trillion cells that make you up, require fats to just maintain the integrity of your cell membranes. We're talking about the thing that holds your cells together and enables your cells to communicate. It's very important. Also your brain, your brain is mostly fat and water. This is why fats are so important. When you're deficient in fats, especially the right kinds of fats, you can see some big issues. So in order to address that, some of my favorite things today are MCT oils. And specifically, if we look at emulsified MCT oils that actually taste amazing. And these are median chain triglyceride oils that are extracted from things like coconut, 
palm. And these medium chain triglycerides have a thermogenic effect on the body, which means they are able to positively alter your metabolism. All right, that's number one, thermogenic effect from MCT oils, positively altering your metabolism. Number two, MCTs are more easily absorbed by your cells. So unlike conventional food of any type that has to go through a pretty arduous process of digestion, turning that food stuff into you stuff, MCTs are able to go directly to your cells and provide almost instant energy. And number three, MCT oils are very protective of your microbiome. There's so much research today about the importance of having a healthy microbiome and the integrity of our gut. MCT oils are one of those things that help to support that because they're especially effective at combating viruses, parasites, bacteria. There's so much goodness that is able to be found in these MCT oils, but you want to get the good stuff. And for me, that's why I go to onit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash M-O-D-E-L to get the emulsified MCT oils, which is like a coffee creamer. These are great to add to your coffees and teas, smoothies and things like that to get in a little bit of extra flavor plus all the benefits of MCT oils. They're easy to stir so you don't have to throw everything into a blender just to get a nice coffee drink, but also they taste good and they make the process of being healthy, fun and enjoyable. So head over, check them out. They've got vanilla, coconut, cinnamon swirl, and strawberry. It's one of my favorites. So go to onit.com forward slash model for 10% off your entire purchase, not just for the MCT oil, but all of the health and human performance supplements that Onit carries and all of their fitness equipment, gear, and so much other cool stuff. All right, head over there, check them out, onit.com forward slash model. Now back to the show. So we're here with best-selling author and the father of biohacking, Dave Asprey. And we're talking about his new book, Superhuman, which I got an advanced copy. Epic, definitely something to add to your library. And we've been talking about the seven pillars of aging. And we're just covering a couple of them. Everybody need to read the rest of them in the book. There's so many great things in here. And I definitely want to talk about this one, which is cellular straight jackets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. We all know what it's like to get a callus. And you're saying, oh, my skin isn't flexible right there. It's on my foot, whatever. Well, the same thing happens in your cells. And we build something called uh, amyloid plaques throughout the body. Most people have heard of amyloid plaques because of Alzheimer's disease, with something called beta amyloid. Well, you get, whenever there's inflammation throughout your body, you build up these plaques. And these are like straitjackets. They keep your cells from doing what they're supposed to do. So we got to ask ourselves, what do we know about what causes plaque to form? And once you realize that, oh, amyloid can be affected by all kinds of dietary things, by all kinds of exercise things, and there's even some new drugs that can reverse this kind of formation of amyloid, you realize it's the same thing as a professional ball player, right? Maybe if someone hits you in the knee 15 times, you're going to need a knee replacement. But if you could get hit in the knee less, you'll need less replacement. So this is the scar tissue that builds up over time in or around the cells. Mm -hmm. And you got to do something if you have a lot of it. And... This is a real simple thing. If you're 20 years old, like, man, I'm just going to make a few changes. These aren't painful changes. These aren't changes that take any more energy than what you already do. You're just going to change a habit from A to B, yeah. right? Equal amount of pleasure, equal amount of time, equal amount of money. But the new one, I got less amyloid for me. And if you're older, you're saying, all right, I'm definitely going to stop pouring gas on the fire. And maybe I'll actually reverse it. Mm -hmm. I love that visual of thinking about a straitjacket. jacket. 
yeah. with ourselves. It, it's like that. And they got to move around. And it it's fascinating when you dig into this cellular biology. People don't know this, but there's a little mitochondria inside a cell. They have a way to move around. They'll actually make a little transport thing like a bus. They call it a shuttle. And then a mitochondria like, oh, I need more energy over here. They'll move a power plant like they do for a concert. Like it'll go through the neuron and go over here where it can make some energy and it'll move back over here. There's crazy levels of stuff that's totally invisible to us. No one knew about this 30 years ago because we just couldn't see it. And now we're looking at stuff happening inside of our cells. In fact, just last year, they found another organ system that no one knew about in the skin because they only looked at the skin of dead animals under a microscope. Like, oh, we can look at live animals and holy crap, there's this whole part of the lymph system that no one knew about. Hmm. So yeah. we don't know very much, but we know way more than we did and that can guide us in what to do. So yeah. you feel good when you're old and you live longer. Yeah, and one of those things that tightens the straitjacket more than anything, well, one of the uh, strongest things for us to be aware of is these advanced glycation end products, yep. right? Yeah. Now, I wrote about advanced glycation end products in the Bulletproof Diet, and there's two forms of these that we get. This is what happens when uh, you get a sugar and it interacts with a protein, and they stick together to form a hard-to-break-down compound that creates free radicals. And easiest way to envision this, throw onions in a pan, turn on the pan, you get browned onions. The brown stuff is advanced glycation end product. Now, I made the argument in the Bulletproof Diet that eating advanced glycation end products is probably a bad idea, but even worse is eating a large amount of sugar or any other food that raises blood sugar. Because if you got sugar coursing around in your body and your body's made out of protein, fat, and water, uh, you're going to get advanced glycation end products inside your arteries, inside your cells. So you're caramelizing yourself. Yeah. So number one, don't eat sugar. And if you have three grams of sugar, no one cares, right? Like seriously. But if you do what most people do, I'll just have a few of these little candies and I'll have you know a whole bunch of ice cream and I'll do a bunch of this, a bunch of that. That does cause advanced glycation, which contributes to aging via pathways we understand. It, it creates these amyloids. So what about eating them? Well, since uh, 2014, when the Bulletproof Diet came out, there's been a little bit more research. And there are now several studies that I cite in Superhuman about the effects of eating advanced glycation end products. Mm. And here's the deal. Food that is highly caramelized, like oh, caramel, is bad for you. It increases your aging because it's full of AGEs. <laughs> it says right there in the name. <laughs> and when you look at things like overcooking meat yeah. and charring meat, it, it is a well-known risk. And when someone says eating meat's bad for you, massive question, how did you cook it? Mm. Because a deep fried, microwaved, char grilled, smoked and dipped in honey sauce piece of meat is still meat. It just might have a different effect on you than a piece of sashimi, which is also meat. You have to think about it. It's just, it's not as simple saying meat is good or bad. That's dumb. And I can tell you, plants aren't good or bad either. Because if you walk outside right now and you take a bite of the first plant you see, if you don't end up in the hospital, you're going to end up in the bathroom. Because most <laughs> plants will kill you if you eat them. Mm. <laughs> like, so we just, it's simplistic and stupid to be plant-based or animal-based. Those, those are meaningless. And this is a prime example of why. Mm. And so burned meat, particularly bad for you. Yeah. You know what's so funny? We've been having these little synchronicities. Um, I read that in the book yesterday about caramelizing your insides. Yeah. And then for the first time in my in my relationship with my wife, we've been together for 16 years, and she made something with caramelized onions. <laughs> and I was like, this is so interesting. Like first time ever. And then you know we got here and we had the uh, I, I brought you some ease magnesium. Yeah. Right from our friend Ian Clark which is a topical magnesium. It's great for uh, pain relief mm -hmm. and relaxation, all that good stuff. 
and you had a little bit of a tweak to your back because of wrestling a pig or something. Yeah, I I do live on a on a farm, and one of the things that I talk about here for natural killer cells is funny if you breathe the things that trees make, things called terpenes, some of the essential oils, it actually increases natural killer cell activities in the body. It changes your microbiome, especially live on a farm. So I'm on a small farm. We have uh, eight pigs and uh, 10 sheep. Actually, we have nine sheep now. One of them just uh, died and the turkey vultures ate its eyes. It was horrifying. Wow. I'm telling you, Mother Nature does not want you to live, just in case you're <laughs> wondering. You, 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 gotta, you gotta take ownership of that. Anyhow. We're moving the pig from, uh, or the pigs from one place to another. And mm-hmm. the pig's job in nature, they're awesome. They clean up the land. So you move them around and they pile up the rocks. They get rid of all the brush. They break up stumps. And that's why we have wild pigs in our ecosystem. And then what comes out of that is an amazing pasture. And then the sheep come in and their job is just to shit everywhere. And they're walking fertilizer machines that cause the soil to build up mass, which pulls carbon dioxide out of the air. And it's, it's this beautiful system, and I'm living in it. And I can see it. Mm-hmm. But that means you got to move the damn pigs from one thing to another. And I'm pushing on this pig, and he won't move into his new thing. Uh, and I'm pushing and pushing, and finally the pig decides to move forward. And I'm like, do I want to face plant in the mud? No. I'm like, thank God this is not on social media. Uh, so I'm leaning forward and I stuck my left leg out behind me to counterbalance me. Like basically a one-legged forward yoga pose thing. And I sprained my back. And I didn't know at the time, I'm like, oh, that didn't feel very good. And we got all the pigs moved, but it's been a little tweaked ever since. Yeah. So I'm walking around with a pig-induced injury. <laughs> you know, and again, it was a good synchronicity. I just happened to bring that to you for a yeah. gift. Like, I was just like, I was looking around, like, what can I bring Dave today? And it just jumped out oh, at thank me. thank you. Yeah, so cool. And then, of course, you were looking for a phone charger. I put one in my bag today for the first time. But we found an alternative. Yeah, that was awesome. So caramelized onions, man. But listen. And I, I want to say something, though, about caramelized onions. Look. They taste good. Fajitas are awesome. Although the bell peppers are nightshades. They're probably not that good for you. But here's the deal. If you eat caramelized onions occasionally, it's all right. Yeah. Right? It, it's a delicacy. If you eat caramelized onion smoothies because you think they're healthy, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right? Like there, there's there's limits and, and there's normal amounts of things. But if you eat caramelized onions in every meal and you say, you know what? I'm going to have dessert afterwards and I'm going to have sugar for breakfast and sugar for lunch and sugar for dinner and all these peaks of blood sugar, you are going to get old and you're not going to like what it feels like when you're old. Yeah. And, and that's the mindset here. Perfection is one of those things that will make you old right. because you worry all the time and worry makes you old. It's, there's a huge amount of stuff in Superhuman about stress and what it does for you. So this isn't about orthorexia. This isn't about being perfect. It's like, look, what if you cook the onions a little bit less? <laughs> and it still tasted good. Like, yeah. could you make a soup that way? Could you make the meal you wanted to make? And if you could, less caramelizing is preferable. Yeah. But it's not going to kill you if you caramelize your onions because that's the way your mom did it. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up because that's one of the things we tend to turn to is just like, so you're saying I can't. Yeah. So you're saying I can't have. And really what it's going to ultimately boil down to is that stress of trying to do everything perfect is aging you. You know, like you just said, and just understanding like there's so many great things for us to take advantage of. We just want to err on the side of those things that are extending our lifespan and avoiding the things. But you were pretty, um, pretty hardcore on repeating, avoiding the fried foods, right? That really matters. And in fact, everything in Superhuman is written through this lens of ROI, return on investment. And Everything we do is an investment, but it's not an investment of dollars. That's really like a capitalist American mindset. It's an investment of energy. 
Yeah. Right? Energy more so than time. Because really, if you have a whole day and you feel like crap, it's not really very useful time. So it's all about your energy first, time second, dollars third. Right? And when you look at things like that, all right, what takes the least amount of energy, the least amount of time, the least amount of dollars to give me the most return that I'm seeking? And the return that we're seeking in Superhuman is you want to feel good when you're old and you want to have more years of your life. Yeah. So that's the mindset here. And I'll tell you, if you want to get old real fast, use weasel words. And that's a thing from my last book, Game Changers. But can't, need to, and things like have to, and impossible, and try. Mm. So oh, I'm going to try to do the things in the book. No, you're not. You already presupposed failure. You say, I can't do it. Bullshit. You, you probably aren't going to do it, but maybe you can do it. You just don't know how. Right? But if you tell yourself you can't, you won't ever look for how. So stuff like that, like mindset is a part of aging. And I, I tell you the most important thing that you could do to live a long time, Sean, isn't anything in the book other than maybe the first chapter where you look at your picture of aging. And if your picture of aging is wheelchairs, diapers, putting your car keys in the fridge and tubes and monitors and an empty bank account, that's probably where you're going to end up. So you change your picture of aging right now. To say, I am vibrant, I am walking around, I have healthy relationships, I have friends, I have family, I'm taking care of my community, and my brain works. And that's what the future holds. That will make you age less, and that is provable. There are many studies like that. So just erase the garbage in your mind about old age being infirm and weak and feeble and unable to care for yourself or others. That is not how it was ever meant to be throughout history, and that's not how it is today unless you let it happen. Yeah, love it, man. Wow. You know, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but I don't want to glance over something you said earlier. You said melanin and you actually made it a point to talk specifically about melanin in relationship to longevity. What's up with that? <laughs> this is something it's some of the most fascinating science out there. Um, melanin makes our skin dark, but there's melanin deep inside your eyes and inside your brain. In fact, scientists used to call this junk melanin. And I learned about this when I was doing the research for Headstrong, my mitochondria science, how to hack your brain book. And it turns out melanin has a superpower. It's unbelievable. It can actually make extra electrons outside of the way normal electrons are made in the body. And it makes electrons when it's heated or vibrated. And that means that the reason your brain has extra melanin that no one could explain, whenever scientists call something junk, it means it's probably useful, we just don't know why. Right. Well, the reason that junk melanin is likely in the brain is that it's providing extra power when necessary. And the way your body makes melanin is by cross-linking polyphenols, these colored compounds in food. Coffee is full of something called melanoids, which are melanin precursors. So one of the things that's part of the, the headstrong set of things to make your brain work better is how can you increase melanin inside your brain in your eyes and on your skin to the extent your skin can do it. And the way you do that is you eat lots of polyphenols, and this is going to sound totally crazy. You actually go outside without a shirt on. Wow. Shocking. Are you right? sure? Yeah. I mean, it sounds dangerous, but people might have done it in, in our long history. And you don't go outside for 10 hours. There's actually good evidence that you don't want to overdo it. But if you have a naturally darker complexion, right, okay, you're, you've got a darker complexion than I do. You need a little bit more sun than I do, yeah. right, except I'm lying. Because even though I'm pretty much, they would call it this butt white, uh, <laughs> it turns out genetically my vitamin D receptors are set up. So I really, according to the functional genomics guys, um, this company called the DNA Company, uh, they went through my 
myself and they said, Dave, uh, you don't look it, but you should be living on a Pacific island. You have the vitamin D receptors of someone with much darker skin. Mm -hmm. So you got to really watch your consumption of vitamin D. You need to take more of it because you break it down fast and you don't convert that well in sunlight. So like damned if I do, damned if I don't. You can go down the, the DNA path. And I talk about DNA analysis and what you might want to do or not do in superhuman. But bottom line here is if you can do something to increase melanin in your brain and in your eyes, you're probably going to have better eyes. And, and let's yeah. talk eyesight for a minute. Uh, I did some really advanced testing of my eyes to say, all right, what's going on? Because, man, macular degeneration is one of those things you don't want to get when you're old. Oh, I'm old and I'm happy and I have lots of energy and I can't read anymore because my eyes don't work. Uh, my dad has it, by the way. So there's stuff you can do with microcurrents and acupuncture points and vitamins and all. And I formulated an, an eye supplement uh, that I've been taking for years. And I started True Dark. I'm wearing these glasses here from this company that that specifically blocks certain damaging blue light. And when I went to the eye doctor, she said, this is crazy. You're 46 years old. You're 2015 in both eyes. And you can read the very finest print that like a 16-year-old can read without glasses. And, quote, you're exhibiting none of the stiffening of your eyes that we expect to see in someone your age. Mm. Something's working. Yeah, that's so cool. So one of the last things I want to ask you about, again, so many things I want to ask you, um, is just really in the same vein. Because we want to avoid what you call junk light. But then there is some light that we are not getting enough of yeah. that are tied to longevity. So let's talk a little bit about that. It, it's really interesting when you say, oh, you know, light's good or light's bad. Well, which light? It's the same as fat or protein. Which protein? Yeah. You know, was this the, the bad stuff or the good stuff? And then what's the dose and even what's the timing? We were wired to wake up when the sun comes up. When the sun comes up, there, it's not very hot. There isn't a lot of infrared light, but there's lots of red light because that's sunrise. You know, the pink and orange, that, that kind of color. Mm -hmm. And then as the day progresses... It sends a signal, 5% of the cells in our eyes are called melanopsin sensing cells. They receive light, but you don't ever see that light. It doesn't go into your visual cortex. It goes around your visual cortex into the timing system that tells your brain what time of day it is so it knows whether you should be hunting for something or going to sleep, whether you should be making mel uh, melatonin or you should be making testosterone or whatever else. Like it, it really messes with your entire system to get that wrong. And as the day progresses, the angle of the light coming down and the entire spectrum from uh, ultraviolet at the very high end, all the way down to infrared, middle of the day. It turns out getting infrared and red light before ultraviolet primes the skin to protect itself. And if we do what we do today, which is you go into an office, which has blue lights, these LED lights are very rich in blue spectrum. They have no infrared because that's energy efficient. The body's like, I'm getting hit with the most stressful light source and none of the healing and supportive and priming light sources. So the answer for that is you wake up and go outside with your glasses off, your contacts out, and take your shirt off or at least have your sleeves rolled up for 20 minutes. And this is how you tell your body that it's morning. And if you do that, you will sleep like a baby at night. And if you, at nighttime, do what I do at home. I installed red outdoor lights instead of white ones so I don't attract bugs to the house. I don't interfere with the owls and eagles and other birds that live there. But I can go outside and see the stars because I don't blind myself. And indoors, I have dimmer switches. And I, when I travel, I wear the True Dark sleep glasses. It's a patented set of frequencies so that I can get usually a couple hours of deep sleep. Even if I'm in a hotel and I landed at midnight and I was at over-illuminated airports and places like that. It's all about light. And if you want thick, healthy skin, red light and infrared light are shown in lots of studies. And even amber light, which is a new thing that, uh, that True Dark is doing. They have something called True Light with amber in it. And yes, I'm promoting my own company in case anyone was just wondering. Um, 
what happens with that stuff though is is the studies are out there and yeah. they show this is what this color of yellow does to the skin this is what this color of red does to the skin this is what infrared does so i regularly expose myself to that i travel with those things sometimes and have them at home and we use them at upgrade labs at the beverly hilton here and in santa monica where you lay on giant beds and a study showed from one of the vendors that we work with uh, when you use their very high intensity red light they had a large number of people go through with dermatologists looking at their skin and they went for uh, 40 minute sessions, 10 sessions. So they laid on a, looks like a tanning bed, but it's red lights. And a hundred percent of people had a reduction of fine lines in their skin. So their skin all got healthier, but here's the kicker saying, right, maybe this is fake or whatever. So they waited three months with no additional treatments and they had the dermatologist look at the people again. And they found that somewhere around 8% of them uh, didn't, uh, they just maintained mm -hmm. the, the wrinkle reduction. But the other, and it's around 8%, I, I'm a little off, but it's, it's in that range. The other 90 or 92% of people, they had a further reduction in wrinkles. In other words, the light exposure turned on helium and collagen thickening that stayed on for three months after they were exposed to the light. That's how important light is for the thickness and quality of your skin. And I just got to say, if you're listening to this and you have brown skin, it's even more important. And most people I know who have darker colored skin, huge advantage. You don't age as much. Like literally, like, like it's very hard to tell your age. So you already have an advantage from all the melanin in the skin, but it means that the light exposure for your skin is even more important for hormonal regulation, yeah. right? So it's a, it's a double-edged sword there. And I look where I am, like my skin is wired to look old sooner because it's paler, right? And then I've got to make sure I get the right amount of sun, but not too much sun. So it's very individualized. And I'll just tell you, red, infrared, and amber, they do magic things to your skin. Wow. So awesome, man. So it's true. Black don't crack. That's amazing. <laughs> That's what all my friends tell me. <laughs> Dave, this has been so awesome. And you know what's so powerful is as I was reading through your story, I saw so many different things that really just spoke to myself, um, you know, like a, on a deeper level, because mm. I know what it takes to experiment. I know yeah, what it works. takes to, you know, be a pioneer and to, to push the boundaries. And you've done that like few people ever have. Thank and you. it's just a really, really powerful thing to see, man. So thank you for putting in that work. I, I appreciate you seeing it. Awesome. So can you let everybody know where they can pick up your book? This is coming out a week before. So are there any bonuses people can get oh, along yeah. with Superhero? Go to DaveAsprey.com. And I've got a bunch of bonuses for the book. I did a series of interviews with the leaders in anti-aging. These are private audio interviews, not Bulletproof Radio, not my podcast. And you'll be able to get those when you pre-order the book and send me a receipt and stuff like that. And you can pick up the book anywhere books are sold. But I just going to say the ROI on a book, even on a podcast, I, I feel like you did a good job. This podcast is full of stuff that's actionable and useful for people. So anyone who listens, they're just thinking, was it worth my time to listen, right? And it was for this interview, at least I would think it would be. Yeah. might be biased. <laughs> Same thing on the book, right? Any book, it, it, there's an ROI on the book. Was it yeah. worth the time it took to read it? And I, I put everything I have into making the ROI on the book as high as I can make it. So I, I think it's worth people's time to read. Definitely. Man, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me. Uh, it's great fun. Awesome. Everybody, Dave Asprey. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in with me today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. We talked about a little bit of everything. We talked about melanin. We talked about zombie cells cellular straitjackets, and the overarching concept today, which is longevity, real longevity, and thinking in terms of being superhuman. And the beautiful thing is 
Dave mentioned earlier that we already have people who've lived beyond 120. We know that it can be done. It's just like the four minute mile. You know, once that mark was broken, more and more people started to do it. Once it's in our consciousness that it's possible, that's when things can really start to snowball. Now, with that said, we want to live healthfully because a lot of people might think, because we have those images in our head of significant degradation of our life and our lifestyle. So we don't want to just live a long life. We want to live healthfully, right? So it's not just our lifespan, it's our health span. And so that's one of the things that Dave is echoing in his work as well. So again, I hope you got a lot of value out of this. And if you did, make sure to share it out with the people that you care about. And of course, you could tag me and tag Dave and let us know what you thought of the episode on social media. I'm at Sean Model, that's S-H-A-W-N Model on Instagram. And Dave is at at Dave.Asprey. All right, so tag us, let us know what you thought of the episode. I appreciate you so much. We've got some incredible shows coming your way very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.